All right, so uh, start you off with a quick uh, pop Bible quiz here. So who can tell me where in the Old Testament the Lord's table is mentioned? All right, we have a couple answers here. We got Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me, but it doesn't call it the Lord's table there. But that was a good try. And Sarah and Abraham, and uh, uh, is this what they prepared for the angels to, to have? Or? That was David's table. Yeah, he was invited to David's table. I mean, we have a lot of... Um, representations of the Lord's table and and the, the Lord invited the elders to come up on the mountain yeah I don't know I didn't I don't think I don't recall them bringing any tables so are you talking about the tablets of stone the, the, they wrote the law on? I don't know that's that's a stretch there the elders came up and had a meal All right. they, on the mountain they had a meal uh, with the Lord Okay, again, this is this, but but I'm looking for the specific words that the Lord's table, the table of the Lord, and I did manage to stumble across them in the book of Malachi, uh, and you don't remember this probably because the context is negative. <laughs> you have polluted my table, the Lord's table. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So let's go to Malachi chapter 1. Um, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country, and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. 
For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. So the Lord has um, kind of a, a bone to pick with his people and, uh, and specifically his priests. Um, but before that, he starts by reaffirming his love to them, which I, lo- I love to see that. He starts out um, with the most fundamental thing that there is, that uh, he has a covenant relationship with them, with the people of Israel, um, and that he loves them. And apparently they had sort of doubted this. They said, what? How have you loved us? We don't see it. We don't, there's no, no sign of it around here. And yet the Lord points out, I think, in contrast to Edom, which has sort of been wiped off the map, and if, even if they try to rebuild it, they won't be able to, um, they exist. They're a nation when by all rights, uh, after being carried off to Babylon and held in exile for all of those years, uh, they should not be a nation. They should have been wiped off the map too. But there was a difference. The Lord had chosen them. They were the Lord's people. And he loved them. And he was on their side. And so what they were sort of taking for granted, the fact that um, they had been able to rebuild that temple and rebuild that wall like Bob has been uh, sharing about, uh, is evidence of his love. And... um, and yet, how were they? How were they living, and uh, and what were they what were they doing with that? Well, they needed that reminder, and then uh, he goes on and points out that his priests had really been falling down on the job, and had been allowing these, uh, you know, oh, just whatever sacrifice you want to bring, that'll be fine, I'm sure, with the Lord. Um, they were not maintaining the standard of the Lord's holiness. Uh, they were not treating him as important. And, um, and so the offerings that they were offering, they weren't their own offerings, although maybe some of them were, but they were the offerings that the people were bringing. And they were in charge of setting the standard. What do you bring? And the standard is set in God's word. It's, you know, your best. You're unblemished. You're firstborn. And, uh, and the priests had uh, decided that that was too high of a standard and that, uh, you know, it'd be easier if we just let them fulfill their religious duties by, oh, just bringing whatever's convenient, whatever they can spare, you know. And uh, it's just going to get sacrificed and burned up anyway, so what does it matter? Uh, well, it did matter to the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and it just shows you what happens when you allow 
uh, human beings to get involved and start setting standards and using their judgment and replacing it, replacing the Lord, the Lord's judgment with their own. And uh, that's very dangerous ground. And um, it's so easy to water down the Lord's standards and water down what the Lord is really calling. Because, you know, we look at it and we say, these standards are impossible. Who can do these things? Who can meet that? And, um, and I think our brother Paul mentioned this around the table. It's, it is futile in our own flesh to try to do this. And, uh, but it does do one thing. When the Lord sees what offering is being brought to him, it shows something about the heart of the person who's coming to him. Uh, it's a great litmus test, a great revealer of what's on their heart. Do they have a heart to offer and bring their best to him? Or are they just trying to check the box? Yeah, I, I brought that sacrifice just like the law said I needed to and, just, and, um, and we're willing to, to accept the lower standard because, you know, they didn't really value that relationship with the Lord. And they didn't really feel it was important to offer their best. Uh, their reading of it was more, I've got a religious duty to offer something. And, uh, you know, if you don't look too carefully at it, it looks like I'm doing my religious duty. Maybe they were wanting to appear religious to other people. But uh, at the end of the day, the Lord does know the heart. And he sees and he cares because he wants to have a relationship. For him, it's all about relationship. Like he says in verse uh, 6, he wants to be a father to them. And he wants to be their master in more than just name only. Um, and he wants them to understand how important it is uh, to have that relationship and to deal with their sin. I mean, um, we're talking about atonement for sin, something that is pretty important. But maybe if you don't think, well, you know, not that bad compared to those other people. This is sort of the view some people in my family have that, uh, you know, hell, well, that's for, for murderers and, uh, and, 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 you know, thieves and criminals. But, you know, if you're trying to do your best to, to, to live a good life, no matter, you know, how selfishly you may be living and not giving the Lord really a, a second thought, um, I'm sure the yeah, Lord wouldn't send you to hell for that, would he? Um, it's the kind of the religious view of the Lord and what he's looking for. People that can check the box. Well, I went to church on Sunday. And then the rest of the week, you know, they're free to live for themselves and live however they want. Well, unfortunately for them, the Lord is actually God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There aren't any moments when the Lord is not being God, <laughs> when he's not the Lord, you know. Uh, it's not just Sunday morning. He's, he's God of the whole universe, all times, from the beginning to the end, and everything in between. And um, woe to us when we think, or in this case, the, 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 the priests were basically having a testimony of who God was that was false. And um, basically, they had bought into these 
religious notions that, uh, well, as long as you do your duty, you'll be fine. And, uh, and then they had uh, allowed these sacrifices. They were in charge of inspecting the sacrifices. That was their duty. And they were falling down on that job. They were making it easier for people to just bring whatever was convenient, whatever they could spare. And, uh, and so the Lord holds them responsible because they're misleading the people about what the standard was. You know, as that great Christian philosopher Mike Tomlin always says, the standard is the standard. Uh, and you can't allow the fact that your lineman can't block to allow the standard to be watered down. It's still, this is what we need to succeed in the NFL. Not what, not what we, uh, we got too, too often this year. Uh, and, um, but like my brother Paul said, it was inevitable. Um, that if you allow human beings to set the standards and sort of be in charge and, and turn it into a religious institution, that's what the temple had become, um, then this is, this is what you end up with. The standards end up being lowered and, and the testimony is, is changed because people are involved and, and people do things to suit their convenience more than the inconvenience of serving God to the perfection that he demands and his impossible standards. Um, but we see hints here of what the Lord really intends, which is he, he declares that there will be a pure offering. Uh, that's down in verse 11. And he's looking forward to the offering of his son Jesus on the cross. Um, he knows that this temple thing is going to work out. Matter of fact, when Jesus came on this earth, what did he find happening in the temple? Uh, uh, he had to drive out the money changers and the people that had turned it into a, basically a marketplace, a place of commerce, um, a place where he can call it basically a den of thieves, uh, because, uh, you know, people had come from all over to, to, to offer sacrifices to the Lord in, in Jesus' day at that temple. And uh, they needed to buy their animals somewhere, so let's make it convenient for them. Let's have the animals right there. And, you know, these people are coming from all over the place. They don't really know, uh, not being involved in the Jerusalem animal market on a regular basis, what those animals really should cost. So, you know, maybe some bargains were being struck that weren't so much in the favor of the consumer. They had no consumer protection agency to watch over this. And they brought these foreign coins along and, uh, you know, we gave them some coins back. But again, they don't know what those coins are really worth like the experts money changers do. So they were getting cheated. And this was happening in the house of God, that they had no respect for his holiness. And Jesus had to come and set things right and drive them out of there and overturn their tables and uh, create a big ruckus. And uh, so same thing happened, you know, back, back in Malachi's day. Um, the temple was being debased. But we're, we're so thankful that the Lord doesn't leave it to us to figure out what the right sacrifices to offer are. 
or from our own strength to produce those sacrifices um, because then we'd be lost. But there is a pure sacrifice that our Lord Jesus offered. And it says, and actually it keeps talking about his name being great among the nations. And it started off reminding us that his name is going to be great beyond the border of Israel. And that in every place, incense is going to be offered and a pure offering. Now, actually, if we were talking about animal sacrifices, this is something that would be illegal. You know, you're only supposed to offer those in one place, Jerusalem, and the only people that are supposed to offer those are the priests. But this is looking forward to a time when Jesus, that pure offering has been offered so that we, as his priests, can offer that offering of sanctifying him in our hearts, that we can um, uh, offer our own offering uh, without any priest other than ourselves between us and the Lord. We have that direct relationship. And, and no other offering we can offer except what Jesus has offered himself. That's the only offering that we have to bring to him. And thank God that that is so sufficient. Uh, thank goodness we don't have to go and decide which animal out of our flock to kill and be tempted to be selfish about it every time. Oh, do I really have to give that? I really like that lamb. I mean, that's good breeding stock there. Uh, I'd rather give uh, that scrawny little thing over there. Yeah, I can spare that one. Um, but our Lord has, has offered that, and now he allows us to offer the offering of himself in our hearts back to him and to offer that pure incense. You know, the incense is speaking of what they were burning in the, the temple as that uh, pleasing aroma, um, that, that, that symbol of, of prayer being offered to the Lord. And now uh, it's not so much that the Lord's looking for the physical incense being burned in a temple somewhere, but again, he's looking for our heartfelt prayers and our praise and worship of him. And uh, I had a, an instant this week um, where I was praying, and all of a sudden, I, I just had something that I was just really overwhelmed with thanks for something. Uh, it'd be really cool if I could remember what it was, but it was something. I was really thankful, and I, I had a moment of what, I, what heartfelt thanks. And uh, I said, wow, that was really cool. I really meant it when I said thanks that time, unlike most of the time, you know, and, and the, the, the sad thing was that it kind of stood out as a moment of heartfelt thanks. <laughs> Normally, you know, I know I should be thankful for all these things, so I say, the, I tell the Lord I'm thankful, um, but it, it doesn't always penetrate down to the heart, you know, and when it comes from the heart, it's a special thing, and it's really something only the Lord can do. You know, we can't change our own hearts, but only the Lord can. And, um, and then, again, aren't we thankful that the, the Lord has taken it out of um, the hands of the priests to teach his standards, to teach about him, to have that testimony of who he is? And he's put it in the hands of his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to get it right. Now, sometimes those words come out of human mouths of people that know him. Uh, 
us as his, as his priests. But uh, it's not like we're trying to figure out what his standards are. Uh, it's him declaring by the Holy Spirit what they are. And, uh, you know, we saw what happened to the standards in Jesus' day, too, how uh, they had figured out how to sort of water down the law in many ways that Jesus had to come and call them hypocrites for it because they said, well, you know, don't bother giving stuff to your parents anymore. All you got to do is say it's Corban, given to the Lord, and that your duties are met. Uh, and they had nullified his law that way or, you know, the way that they were just making it so easy to, you know, uh, it, the law had just been uh, watered down for the sake of people. So it's the same thing. But, and, and you know, these people were the rabbis, the people that should know better. But again, it was human interpretation. The Lord can't possibly mean that. That's impossible. Oh, yes, he did. And it is possible in Christ Jesus. And as we have him in our lives and in our hearts, then it becomes possible for us to, to offer that pure sacrifice that he's looking for. So what did it mean that they were, they were doing this, uh, that they were allowing these, these polluted sacrifices? Well, one, they were saying that um, they, they were diminishing the Lord, who he really is. Uh, he's not going to notice. He's not going to care. He's pretty distant. He's, got, he's way up there in heaven. He's got more important things to worry about than these lambs and, and sacrifices that are being offered. Not true. His eyes on the sparrow. We know that he, he knows and he cares. Um, it's kind of like some people have this, this, this idea of God, almost the deistic notion that he doesn't get involved. He's too busy to be involved in human lives in an intimate way and have that intimate relationship with us that the word tells us he wants. Well, that's, again, diminishing him because, oh, yeah, I mean, to say he's too, you know, he's got more important things to worry about than having a relationship with me is to say he's, he, doesn't have an, he doesn't have the capacity, and we know he does, that he has the capacity to have that close walk with each one of us simultaneously and all the billions of believers around the world and you, you can't diminish who God is. As a matter of fact, we just can't wrap our minds around how big he is and how capable he is and how much he loves us. Um, and then, so they were despising the Lord's table and what did that mean? Well, that meant that because they had allowed it to become polluted, they didn't want to eat it. And the, he, the Lord had given the priests the privilege of eating these sacrifices after they had been offered and partaking of them. And they were sort of saying, we don't eat that. Well, really, it's, his, it's supposed to be his provision for them. And they're supposed to, it's supposed to show that his idea for his priests, his people, the people that are privileged to come into his presence, is to be totally dependent on him. But basically they were saying, we don't need it. We can, we can find better food for ourselves in the marketplace and eat that. And so they were basically asserting their independence from the Lord. And, uh, and again, 
It's supposed to be the Lord's table, uh, a place where they gather around this meal as the community of believers, as you know, God's community of priests. And they're all just off having their meals at home by themselves with their family. There was no community. They didn't care about it. Um, Lord's table. It's just a weariness. And, you know, it's amazing how his priest could come to the position of actually despising such important, important things that the Lord has established. And, uh, and it's really talking there about that fellowship. You know, when we take, when we read this, this passage through Christian eyes, through New Testament eyes, and we see the Lord's table, uh, you know, a light goes off for us because we know and we appreciate what the Lord's table is. That it is, um, in a sense, a priestly meal, but uh, it's, it's coming together corporately around that table and declaring that we are his people. And um, there's that, that passage in um, Corinthians chapter 11 where it talks about people that, that were taking the table in an unworthy manner. And one of the big things that they were doing was it says that they weren't recognizing the body. <clears throat> now, it doesn't say that they weren't recognizing the Lord or that they weren't recognizing the body and the blood, but it just focused on the body. And that's because when you read the context, a lot of the other things they were doing was basically doing their own thing and not, doing a, not, not coming together as a corporate expression. They weren't really mindful of their fellow brothers and sisters, which we know is the body, the Lord's body, the body of Christ. And so when we come to his table, we're called to recognize his work, not just in ourselves, but in our brothers and sisters and the, the preciousness of it and what he's done to create a holy temple, a body for himself, uh, us as his temple. Um, but, you know, like, like we were saying, uh, like our brother Bob was preaching, the borders had, had been erased here. Uh, there were no walls. You know, you can just bring whatever you want into the temple. But the Lord has reestablished the true meaning of it in Christ. And the fact that it's not a human being decided whether to open that door or not, but it's the Holy Spirit makes all the difference. And now, you know, his standards uh, uh, are eternal, and they stand uh, on his basis, on the basis of his word, and not any human interpretation what it means. And so finally, um, I'd just like to close by uh, reminding us of what a real sacrifice looks like, what the Lord is looking for in our sacrifices. Uh, that's those familiar verses at the beginning of Romans chapter 12. And he, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to prevent, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And um, that's what the Lord is looking for from his priests. Um, it's not any kind of animal we can bring, but it's um, that sacrifice of uh, ourselves and to, to, to lay ourselves completely on his altar. Uh, and not just uh, get the idea that, oh, if I, if I do this, it's, it's enough for the Lord. Not to let our selfish desires of how to minimize what we have to sacrifice into the equation at all. But to recognize that he wants it all. He wants all of us. Now, practically speaking, how do we do this? Because, you know, for me, you know, it's, it's like in the words of that uh, familiar old Christian hymn, I Surrender Some. It's one of my favorite hymns, right? You know that one? It's a great hymn. Uh, no, it's I Surrender All, right? But, you know, if you were to look at my life, you'd say that uh, the way I live that hymn, the, the more accurate version would be I Surrender Some. I Surrender Some. Um, and, but so, so am I trying to lay a big guilt trip on us all and say, hey, you got to try harder? Well, remember what our brother Dale said about try hard Christianity. And really, it's not going to be our efforts that achieve, you know, this, live, this living sacrifice that's wholly surrendered on the altar. Yeah, we have to cooperate. We have to have that desire from the Lord to see that that's what he wants, to see that's what his standard is. But He's the one who has to do it. He looks, he knows where our hearts are, just like he did with those people that were bringing the offerings in Malachi. He knows where our heart is. And, and he know, but he knows the reality of it. So he's not surprised with what he sees, what he sees and where we are. Um, and he's not disappointed either. Uh, he's, he, he, he takes us as we are. And as long as we have that desire to please him and set as our goal to, to, to lay ourselves completely down on the altar to him and to offer ourselves as that living sacrifice in Romans. And we just turn to him and say, Lord, I can't do it. You have to, you have to work. You have to change. And we have to, we have to be patient with ourselves. Allow the Lord an opportunity to work. And as often as we fail, we just go to him and say, Lord, you know, I'm falling short of your standards. I know I am. But thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you that it's not up to me to satisfy your standards, but our Lord Jesus has done it. And he's working it into our lives. And, uh, and we can be secure in that. And so that whatever we are bringing... Um, even though, you know, there, it could be better. Um, but the Lord accepts it because it's offered in Christ and it's offered, uh, if it's offered in the right spirit, if our heart is in the right place. And that's the important thing. And as long as we do that, um, as long as our, our heart desire is to please him and to... Uh, we have the same goal. We have the same priority for our lives. But we're not uh, satisfied being, 
you know, hypocrites that uh, say one thing, but the reality is different, um, then the Lord can work with us. And the Lord will work with us. And he's faithful to bring that work to completion. And, uh, and we have that measure, that portion of Christ in our lives to bring to him and offer to him. If indeed we are born again and we are his. So, um, so that's, that's what I have for us today. Uh, and it's not meant to be discouraging, oh, how far short we fall. But it's encouraging about how completely Christ has met the standard and how uh, great his power is at work in us uh, to bring his work to completion. And wherever it is, it is. Uh, but we're not done yet. And he's not done yet. We're a construction zone, a work in progress. It might look messy, but the Lord's okay with that. And as long as we're pointed in the right direction and allowing him to, uh, to, to, to move us in that direction, then uh, we're in his will. So, Lord, we do thank you that uh, um, it doesn't depend on our efforts to satisfy you, um, but on the finished work of our Lord Jesus on the cross. And we do pray our heart's desire is to see that incorporated more and more into our lives so that we can um, see those moments where we do indeed, when you, when you call us to surrender and we say yes, um, those are such precious moments, Lord. And we do thank you that, uh, that you uh, are able to achieve those Whereas if, if we didn't know you, we wouldn't have any of those moments. So, Lord, thank you. And uh, we do thank you that we live in the good of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.